0: This podcast features discussions about finance and money, which are general in nature. This means that it has been prepared without taking into account your specific objectives and financial needs. We suggest that before acting on this information, you seek out professional advice. Hey, folks! Welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics podcast, where we are unpacking the money stuff. I'm Scott Malcolm, and today I'm joined by Emma Barclay of Carter and Co. And we're taking a little bit of a journey down the property avenue again. Emma, welcome along! Great to have you here.
1: Thanks very much, Scott. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Emma, we've been asking all our guests about an early happy money memory. Have you got something you can share?
1: Yeah, definitely. So my first happy money memory was when I was probably seven years old and my grandparents owned a macadamia nut farm up on Coffs Harbour. And my dad said to me, look, if you want to help along and be involved, I'll pay you $5 an hour to sort out all the bad nuts from the good nuts. And as a seven year old, that was a hell of a lot of money. And I remember working five hours and being handed $25 and that memory of like, yep, the world's mine. I can work and I can earn and this is amazing.
0: I love that. And do you remember what you did with that first $25?
1: I think I spent it very quickly. In fact, I think I used it to buy (laughs) at the time what the toy was that all the young girls wanted were the Bratz dolls. And that was Christmas come early for me.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love it. Now I'm actually craving macadamia nuts because I imagine that would have actually been pretty grueling work having to sort through the, the good and the bad.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sure today I would absolutely hate it. But when you're a kid, it just being part of it and being part of the process was really enjoyable. And then getting paid was just a bonus. I
0: love it. Well, look, thank you so much for being here today. And look, I guess I should give listeners a bit more of your background. You're not just a macadamia nut (laughs) sorter. You are actually a property manager by trade. And property can be one of the biggest assets that that people own. It can be a a big investment that that people get into. So either first time investors or people who've got got multiple investment property assets, if they're fortunate enough to go down that journey, will often have a a property manager. So I really wanted to get Mm. you along today just to unpack. Pack that a little bit further, talk about some of your insights to industry and probably market at the moment as well and go from there. So what do you do as a property manager? What, what's it all about?
1: Oh wow, what don't we do? (laughs) I would say that a property manager wears a lot more hats than people probably think that we do. It's a very holistic approach to basically taking all of the stress from the owner as much as we possibly can. So we handle everything from the really obvious things like receipting rent and giving out monthly reports and handling bill payments to doing routine inspections, handling maintenance, obviously letting the property But I would say that the biggest thing that we do is we really focus on and manage a relationship with both the owner and the property tenant. And we mediate that relationship and we work between the two parties to make sure that everyone's happy and everyone's meeting their obligations and that we're looking after each other's rights as well
0: fantastic and today i was going to take us on a bit of a two-part journey because we are hearing that the the rental market if you're a tenant trying to find a rental at the moment can actually be quite competitive and so i was going to ask you a couple of questions around how people can set themselves up and be in the best position to to get into a, a rental but also then on the flip side for owners get some of your insights around how they should be i guess testing that relationship that they've got with a with a property manager so let's go down the first part i guess Current market's pretty competitive. What what are you seeing at the moment for for tenants or for when when you're looking at prospective tenants to properties that you manage for people?
1: Yeah, well look there's a lot of people out there looking for a home and I guess it's pretty easy to draw a line in the sand where if we're looking at, you know, an average household income, any rent that falls within that budget, that's where we're just seeing, you know, copious amounts of people rocking up at open homes and a real desperation to try and secure a property. I'm based in Canberra. We've got Quite an inflated market here, as I'm sure a lot of people are aware. Both the rental and sales situation, we've got a lot of properties, many, many properties that sit at the seven to seven fifty a week mark plus. As soon as we start to get to that number, it's a very different game. You know, some properties are sitting for quite a while, a number of weeks. We might only have three or four people genuinely interested, but anything that's sort of seven hundred and under and falls within the budget of most average Canberra families, you know, we're getting competitions of 10 plus applications from people that are coming through.
0: Wow. Last 12 months, we've just seen the, the property market go a bit, bit wild, but demand is still there, as you say, for, for tenants and and people to find a home. Is that making your job harder like, or tougher because of that competition at the moment?
1: Look, in full transparency, our job as the property manager is to secure uh, rental income for the property owner. So, I wouldn't say it makes the job harder. If anything, it removes a fair bit of stress in the sense that rather than have homes sitting on the market for weeks at a time, we can move them within one or two open inspections. And ultimately, that's really good news for the owner. And that makes our jobs a lot easier. But it is incredibly frustrating to be out in the market on a daily basis, meeting people who are in oftentimes at a point of quite severe desperation. I'm talking plenty of people coming through home saying, I need somewhere and I need it by Tuesday, you know, and this is on a Saturday. And not having a roof over your head is obviously a huge deal. And they're asking, you you know, do you have other properties like this? Is there anything else that you can offer for us? And we just don't have the stock there to match it. So it sort of, yeah, comes in waves. You've got the benefit of obviously our job of securing income for the owner is easier and we can secure high quality tenants. But on the flip side, it's really awful to be in a market where you can't help everyone and you can't home everyone who's coming through the door.
0: Yeah, wow, and we do often talk about the two sides of of every coin or or every banknote, and and that's the the reality. And I guess, yeah, you doing your best for the owners and and getting a a good quality tenant in, but as you say, not being able to help everybody. And, yeah, it is such a challenging market Mm. at at the moment. Any tips or any things that you would say to potential tenants who are trying to get into the market? So is there – I mean, look, I've I've rented places in the past and and my thing's always been – just be really friendly to the property manager and at the open house and try and build a rapport with them and build relationship so you can uh, hopefully be on the the top of their pile when it, when it comes to actually getting in but what tips have you got for people who are looking
1: Absolutely look that's a big number one we we're, we're hosting you know all of these open homes every week and we're having hundreds of people come through the door and you're just names on paper until we get the opportunity to meet with you Sometimes it can feel a bit overwhelming when you're at an inspection. There's lots of people there. If you want to hang around till the end of the inspection to get your few words in with the property manager, do it. It is a huge impact, and we we regularly remember the person who's connected with us and who was really friendly or presented really well and put their best foot forward. When we go back and we start to receive those applications, as soon as that app goes in, I go, Oh, yep, that's George. He came and spoke with me. I was really impressed by him. And suddenly, that's a person, not just words on paper, and it absolutely will help help your um, goal to receive the property. The other thing that I think is something that always jumps to the top of the pile if I see it is writing a cover letter for your application we are dealing with, you know, paperwork after paperwork after paperwork where people are saying this is what I do for a job and here's my references and here's where I was living. And in a chunky document, that's a lot for us to work through, especially when we've got quite a few applications. If you summarise everything in a one-page document that goes at the top of your application, that just goes through and says, hey, you know, this is me and my partner. Um, He's an electrician. I'm a vet. Here's our combined annual income. We're currently renting. Here's the address. We've been there for For two years we're upsizing whatever it is suddenly we can very quickly build a picture of who you are and why this home's appropriate for you and secondary to that when we put your application forward to the owner we'll include that cover letter and they love that they really want to see that they know who's moving into the property and it creates far more of a personal connection which is really important.
0: Yeah, and I think again, I uh, am fortunate enough to own own an investment property, and so having that, I think as a, as an owner, you get to have that nice relationship and go, oh, okay, I know the people who are moving into into the property, and it's a, it's something I care about, and they're going to look after it and yeah, maintain the asset. I guess at the end of the day, putting the owner's owner's shoes on, what should your property manager be doing for you?
1: Core cool thing is the property manager needs to be communicating with you. I think that um, you're paying somebody for their expertise and their advice. But if they're not telling you what's going on and they're not keeping in touch with you, it's impossible to make an informed decision. And the number one complaint from both tenants and from property owners is that they're not being communicated with about what's going on. So I certainly think that if you're an investment owner and you have a property with any agency and you just feel like you're not being kept up to date, or things seem to be going by the wayside, or you haven't heard from your property manager in six or more months, that tends to be quite a big red flag. And it it generally means that you're probably not getting the attention on your property that you need. And you certainly don't know what's actually going on. So number one is definitely the communication element of things. But secondary to that is you really want somebody working for you who comes to you with the issue and offers you solutions at the same time. Most of the time we're communicating it's not good news. We don't exactly contact people daily to say, hey, guess what, your rent's still being paid and the property's still standing, well done, move on with your day. It's often contacting to say that there's maintenance that's going to be a cost or your tenant's vacating, therefore we've got to relet, and there's obviously costs involved with that. But when a property manager comes to you with that information, they should also be coming to you with a plan of action or a solution or some options for you to pick between. And I think a really good property manager will always give you that, whereas with people who are probably just doing the bare minimum of their job will come to you with problems requesting a solution.
0: Properties obviously do come with those ongoing costs. And again, from a financial planning perspective, I always say to people, if you are going down the avenue of being an investment owner and owning an investment property, do your numbers before you jump into the asset, just so you're aware of what are the costs likely to be. Plan for the fact that you might not be renting it out for the whole year. Work out what costs might need to, to come and go. But some people don't want to be paying more than the the bare minimum or the bare necessity. Where should owners be making savings and where should they be more willing to, to spend money
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I completely agree with you know your advice about really do the numbers before you're investing. I think a lot of people dive in quite quickly, saying, "Yep, I've got the deposit. This is my next financial step," and they're not prepared and they haven't, you know, got that little kitty of emergency funds for maintenance or they haven't learned about things like land tax, which is you know an additional expense that you have to pay in many states in Australia. Certainly, the core expense that you should be focused on is ensuring that you can maintain the premises. And that you know, can be considered with based on what you're purchasing. If you're buying an off-the-plan apartment, we're looking at a very different budget for future renos as opposed to buying an older home on a block. But if you can't actually service the home and look after it and keep it in really good condition, not only will you have an unhappy tenant on your hand and an unhappy property manager because they're trying to do the right thing, but you'll actually be in a position where your asset, this incredibly expensive thing, is going to start to devalue and Being unable to afford to do little things can turn into very big things and you don't want to constantly be reactive to maintenance. You want to be proactive about it. So I think the biggest thing that I notice in clients is just that unpreparedness to pay for sort of unexpected expenses, whether it's an air conditioner or a leak or something like that. And it's really important that people have some cash up their sleeve to cover that should it become an issue.
0: That's great advice and look, often people, uh, I've heard stories over the years from clients where they've been to property seminars or been to other things and they get sold a, a turnkey property and they, they then get signed up to the, the property management arrangement with the uh, property manager they're, they're then with and that relationship might not be there. You, they might not have all those things you were saying before about having the rapport and actually having a good relationship with their property manager. How hard or easy is it to actually change property managers?
1: Look, it's it's easier than you could ever think. Mainly because when you're contacting a competitor agency and suggesting that you've got a business opportunity for them, that is when you know we the work that we do to make that easy for you is one really high because we want to do the right thing by you, but two, that's a business opportunity. So you've got to consider it in the same way that you would, for example, selling a home, and you might reach out to a few different sales agents, and immediately they're going to come to you and meet with you and and sell you on the product and sell. Value on their services and build that rapport and they make the process incredibly easy because that's great for you and it helps them get the business and it's exactly the same in the in the rental market and and even more so when you're transitioning from one agent to a next so if you were unhappy with your current property manager and you wanted to have a look at options in the area whether it's through friends of yours or referrals or you do some googling online and looking at reviews If you contact a competitor agent and give them the details of the property and you decide, yep, I'm going to go ahead with that person, they will actually contact your real estate agency for you to handle the termination and the transfer of all of the paperwork and everything across. So ultimately, it could take you 10 minutes of a phone call with a new agent to have the whole property transferred over. It's really, really simple. Any,
0: any tips for resources or places that people can go to, to research agents? Because again, you can go and meet people and often pounding, pounding the pavement, so to speak, is a good way to do it. But if you're I don't know, remote from where you, your assets are, or if you don't have the time to go and, and meet agents, what's a good way or good resources that you can go and check out how good they might be?
1: There are a number of platforms which you can use just by Googling, which will help you sort of minimize the search pool as it were, because there are a lot of different agencies out there. Uh, The best recommendation I can make is that you actually start Googling based on where your property is located. So whether it's, you know, in one suburb of Canberra to the other suburb of Canberra or whatever state you're in, you want to be quite specific about where the home is and put that suburb into your Google search when it comes to real estate agents, because then you'll actually be suggested agents that are on the ground in that suburb. And they're the experts in that area and and they're really good to connect with. Secondary to that, there are a number of search platforms you can use where for free, you just jump online. Rate My Agent is a really good one. And you can see the reviews that companies have had, decide who you're interested in, input some details, and then the agents contact you directly to make it nice and smooth and easy for you.
0: I love it. And I'll uh, add some of those resources to the show notes as well, Emma. So that's that's great. What are your probably top three questions you would ask if, again, you're looking for a property agent, if you're not managing it yourself, what are the top three questions you would ask a, a new property manager uh, as a part of that dating uh, or first date process? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so often um, you're actually going to be meeting someone in most agencies, especially uh, some of the larger agencies. You'll be meeting someone whose job it is to secure your business, but it's not their ongoing job to manage you. So the first question that I like to ask, and I think this does often attract a lot of people to smaller boutique brands, is, The person that I'm speaking with, are they actually going to be in contact with me? Are they going to be managing my property? And is this somebody I can see myself working with? So that's a big first one. If they say to you, you'll actually be handballed on to a different agent, I'd be asking to meet that person and discuss things with that person as well, because ultimately that's who you're going to be building a relationship with. So that's number one. Number two is, how many properties is my property manager going to be managing? I think people get quite surprised when they're told that the average properties that one property manager looks after is 150. That's a lot of relationships. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of driving around from house to house. So, trying to find agencies where that portfolio is smaller is is definitely very attractive in my point of view. And finally, the next thing is going to be fees. And fees are often the number one for a lot of people. I think they're really important, but I think that they should be more of a number three. Just like any home insurance policy or car insurance policy or or any purchase that you make, there are always going to be discount agents and sometimes those fees can be really attractive, but I think when you ask those first two questions, you'll start to see why it's so inexpensive and that will result in the service you receive. And then there are some agents who, who quote quite highly as well. So you're probably going to be looking for something a little bit more middle ground where you're still comfortable with the answers to one and two before committing to the price.
0: I guess, look, again, you don't want people coming in to negotiate. Uh, I often find when, when clients start asking me about fees, and, and again, we, we do flat fee for everything, so I try we try and make it competitive. But there's often some wriggle room for people to negotiate if if they need to on the property management side of things, I imagine.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. I think the big thing to think about is if you've got a property that's brand new or off the plan, a property that's going to require less sort of maintenance, that kind of thing, there's always opportunities there to slash some of the other costs, such as an inventory fee cost, which is where we go through and we take notes and photos of the condition of the home. If that's a brand new property, suddenly what can take us a few hours is a half hour job. So, that's a good opportunity to say, well, hey, it's not actually going to take that long. Can we waive that initial upfront fee? So, you know making sure that you're very aware of the kind of property you've got and how attractive it might be to the property manager uh, because the higher quality it is the more we can move on our fees as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that insight. And look, I think, as you say, question one and two are, are brilliant because it'll give you good insight to, okay, what are we uh, looking at here? Am I comfortable with how they manage the approach and their relationship with me? Are they going to take that same approach with the the tenants to make sure that there's good rapport? Because I guess at the end of the day, people can do property management themselves, but I think it's the, the time constraint. I know that that's what it is for me to get someone else who knows what they're doing to professionally manage it and, jump through the, the ins and outs that, that might be there. What, what are some of the things that you've seen that people have done from a property management perspective that just make you go, ooh, that, I wouldn't have done it that way?
1: I think the big things that come to mind is people who are privately managing don't make accurate record of the home before somebody moves in. And so when they vacate and there is an issue, there's no evidence as to the fact that the issue occurred during the tenancy. And then the owner can out, end up out of pocket you know, thousands of dollars in some cases. Secondary to that, a thing that comes up often is people know someone who's a friend of someone or it's even a direct family member and they think, fantastic, I can pop this person in my house, they get a home, we're already, you know, we're already on good terms, we already have a healthy relationship and they put a lot of trust in that situation but more often than not, that does not end well. Uh, You're talking about somebody's place of home and relationships can quickly go by the wayside when you've got two people with sort of conflicting priorities. Uh, So we often find ourselves in a situation where we'll have a client come to us and say, hey, look, I've been self-managing this. It's my brother-in-law or whomever it is. And, you know, now rent's behind or I wasn't happy with the inspection or, uh, you know, there's issues with the communication and it's broken down. And we then need to step in and mediate the conversation. And often with that, comes a large cost to either the tenant or the owner or both due to what's happened prior so it's better off just avoiding that altogether and having somebody be your mediator and, and the face of the transaction before you have somebody come into the property
0: yeah i, I love that and that whole uh planning times of peace for times of war and any uh business yep. relationships often uh, at arm's length i think trying to have someone else there to, to make it work for you
1: absolutely um yep.
0: Emma, we we keep these short and sweet, and again, uh, you've given us great information. Anything else or any sort of parting tips or words of wisdom you'd like to offer?
1: Uh, Look, I just think the biggest tip that I can give is that if you are looking to buy properties as an investment or you have an existing investment... If you call a real estate agency, any good ones are happy to give you as much information as they can over the phone. Most of us are happy to just have an obligation-free chat at any time. I have people contact me all the time just to pick my brain who I may never work with in the future, and that's fine. We'd rather that both owners and tenants out there have all the information they need about their obligations and their rights. So if you're worried or you're concerned or you might be a tenant renting through one agency and you're not happy with how things are going and you need advice, feel free to contact another agency. We're, we're all here to help, despite what I think the popular opinion is, We're we're all just people trying to do the right thing and, and trying to keep everyone as happy as we can along the way.
0: I love that. I love that. And there are some great online resor- resources for people, for tenants, for, for owners uh, aside as well. So I'll uh, add some of those links and resources into the show notes as well. But look, thanks so much, Emma. Appreciate your insights. And I'll put all your contact details uh, in the show notes as well. So yeah, thanks so much for coming along.
1: No worries, Scott. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
0: It's been a pleasure. And look, thanks for listening, folks. Hope you've enjoyed that episode. Again, if you're a tenant and you're uh, going through the process of of house hunting and trying to find uh, a new place, hopefully you've got some tips and and ways that you can start to to pull together a a great application. If you're an owner and you've got a property and you're not happy with the outcome you're getting with your property manager, worthwhile going and having a chat to some other people. But most importantly, keep those conversations going. And uh, as I say, hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll speak and see you soon